find grace to help us in the time of need. We honor you and love you. We bless you and we praise you. We magnify you. We lift you up, Lord, because you are worthy to be praised, worthy to be glorified and magnified. You are highly exalted above all gods, and we thank you, Lord, for blessing us and keeping us during this time. Father, we thank you for peace in this city. We thank you for your mercy in this city and every city, Father, that is being threatened with disorder, anarchy, destruction, and death. Father, we thank you that your angels encamp about those who fear you and love you, and we worship you and magnify you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about healing today. There was something I wanted to share. I thought about it yesterday, and I thought, I do I want to share this, but I think I do. So I'm going to uh, get my device. Raise your honey. You mind going? You look so pretty. You always do, though. Amen. You're like a little ray of sunshine. A flower among thorns, as they say. Whatever, whatever. But yeah, you always do, sweetie. You mind going and get my cell phone off the desk in the office? I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some things that, you know, we have Saturday. We have so much to do. Uh, and it's, uh, sometimes things begin to unfold and, uh, you know, just, kind of come into to being um, yesterday we taught about our next step is war and so I believe that we're next step people amen so we don't mind step, stepping into that arena and I'm not one of these people thank you who uh, will say well we do that anyway you know that kind of stuff but uh, I think it's as prophetic people we need to understand what time it is as far as what God is saying needs to be done. And so I uh, was able to receive a couple of prophecies through some uh, individuals. Um, uh, just sometimes, you know, you'll you'll just find something in your box or, uh, you know, you'll link to somebody who knows somebody who shares something. And so I was able to find this uh, on on someone's Facebook page. This woman is a, a prophetess, and uh, she has some prophecy. She seemed to hear from God uh, kind of often. And, um, uh, you know, I don't judge people on what God's telling them, if he's telling them to post stuff every day, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. You just You just have to really weigh things by the Spirit of God. Some people don't have anything different to say from day to day, but it's nice to have things confirmed and reiterated because you want to be in the Word every day. But uh, this this uh, prophetess uh, was speaking about where God is is leading His people, and I have felt that all of the challenges that we're having, as far as this virus is concerned, our economy, this nation. Uh, all of the things that are going on, I really felt that the church has to be careful to be consistent, to be faithful, to be um, servants of God, to continue to do the work of the ministry and the work of the gospel, and to feed the flock of God. I mean, that mandate never stops. And I'm I'm just so thankful that God has given us a sensitivity to the preciousness of being able to assemble together. Uh, many times he'll set you up for to change your heart about uh, the things that me, we might call routine things and 
oh, same old, same old, and you know, that kind of stuff. But in, in studying about churches, the persecuted church worldwide, I thought to myself, I said, God, thank you that we're not them. You know, I mean, they're, they are brothers and sisters. We're family with them. But I thank you that we still have freedom. And my thinking was that there is a challenge to our freedom at the door every day because you see where uh, the people who are very liberal in their thinking uh, don't, they don't want to share ideas anymore with conservative people. It's just, you don't talk to me. If you're not like me, you're wrong, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and one of the benefits of having freedom is the share ideas. You know, and to get to understand how people think, and they're human just like I am, but they think this way, and why is that, and can we have some common ground where we can at least have peace with each other, but it's not that way anymore. And so you see people don't want peace, they want you to shut up and accept everything that they think, believe, how they live, they'll even infringe on your space, where you want to raise your children uh, to live, live wholesome, live celibate, live for God, be holy children, learn to pray, learn to respect people and all that. If they don't think that's the way they want to raise their children, they'll infringe upon you to change, to be like them. And so this has been, this always goes on. It's been going on for a while. But the other challenge for the church is for us to continue to do what God has called us to do, even in the face of restrictions. Because you see in nations where it's illegal to to preach the gospel, they'll behead you, throw you in jail, do a lot of ungodly things if you just mention the name of Jesus. And if you convince somebody else to leave a dead religion and come into Christianity, you get persecuted even more. Even governments will hunt people down if they are are uh, challenging. Uh, the way people think and the way they live, because one of the reasons we have freedom of speech in this nation is so that we can preach the gospel. It's really not so much for you to get up and, and get a, a sign and, and, and march around, but it's the freedom to share ideas, for us to go to the ra- uh, rescue of people and the aid of people and that kind of thing so that we can freely share what God has given us. And so, I was thinking about it, and I asked the Lord, and I've asked him this since um, uh, when the Lord gave us that prophecy about wait until the dust settles. Remember that? And that there was turmoil and all of that, and he's never given me a word since then that the dust has settled. (laughs) We're still working through a lot of dust, confusion, and debris. But one of the things that I've felt is that God was challenging his church to get on his side. Forget what you want. I got you. You understand what I'm saying? I've always taken care of you. I'm going to continue to take care of you. Quit looking for money. Quit looking for things. Quit looking for your your life to be grounded in this material realm. Because I got that. Amen. And so in those of you who haven't, we've all been learning to walk in faith that God has provision laid up for us and we can by faith receive it anytime we need it. You don't have to bombard heaven for nothing. You don't have to really, I mean, you fight the devil because you know he's a thief. You you always could keep your, your foot on the thief's neck. You know what I'm saying? But But we have to understand also that God frees us up from this world 
We're in it, but not of it. Our provision is not of this world. It's of the supernatural realm, and he brings it into manifestation as we need it in this realm. But you get the understanding that God wants you freed up for a reason. What is that reason? Amen. And that is so that we can be free to preach the gospel to all people. We can be free to meet the needs of people. You know, since uh, I'm the only one now on the west side that has time, I still go to Panera four days a week to pick up bread. You know why? Because somebody's still hungry. And I say that to, you know what, I'm, I don't do that. Y'all know better. But I do it because there's a need and the needs never change. It's the same thing with having our service here. There's a need and the need never changes. The need for people to assemble together is far beyond what we do here. It reaches to a neighborhood. It reaches to a downtown area. It reaches to countries uh, far off. It reaches everywhere our voices reach and where God sends the words that we pray and that we declare here. And so for us to stop without a real good reason to me is not being on God's side. I don't know how y'all feel, but that's how I feel about it. And I think you do feel the same way. Because if if I'm not going to preach the gospel, he might as well take me home. If I'm going to let government stop me, he might as well. You understand what I'm saying? So God will always keep a door open for you to obey the Great Commission. He will always. It's never wrong. If people underground in China can do it, we can do it with these fake little restrictions that are put on us by some germ we don't even believe in. Most of y'all don't even believe y'all can get Rona. Huh? And for most of us, the devil has scared us anyway. He's like, man, if I get caught up in there, I don't know what might happen to me. I ain't going up in there. Like Pastor Shirley said, a guy wandered in here, wandered back out again. I said, yeah, you want nothing up in here unless you want Jesus. Now, if that's what you want, you stay. But you, if you want, if you're here for the shenanigans, you, you, you in the wrong place. That's just true. And so, but I look at all these ministers who are siding with their governors that they're not to go to church. Don't open your church. Even with social distancing, all of a sudden everybody's having watch parties and everybody's having live on Facebook. We've always had that anyway because we believe in feeding people, period. But now all of a sudden they're jumping on social media trying to set up, you know, cameras and messages and all that kind of stuff all of a sudden. And see what they're doing is they're compromised, whether they know it or not. The same fight that was in them to get that building and get them sheep in there. And it, see, that's kind of mellowed out now. Some of them have enough stuff. We got electronic giving. We got this. We got that. Well, what does that say to your congregation that you're willing to compromise? See, this is the way it started in Nazi Germany. I hate to say the word Nazi because people always say, you're accusing somebody of being a Nazi. I'm not accusing nobody. No, I'm talking to you about history. But the story goes that when when they first started, they first came for the Jews. And the Christians kept singing in their churches and they said, sing louder. 
every time they would hear the ambulance come and the, you know, the sirens and all, sing louder, sing louder. And then one day they came for them. Huh? And the singing stopped. You got me? And so you, if you're going to take a stand for Christ, you have to take a stand, period. Amen. No matter who says what, bless you, and what happens and what says what, you have to take a stand for Christ. You know, when the president, they always uh, accuse him of being the worst things in the world. If he can say we need more prayer, not less prayer. I mean, really? It's time for preachers to get on board. That's a message to us. When the secular world starts telling us what's needed on our end, we need to wake up and listen. You understand what I'm saying? Because what God has been doing, trying to tell us personally, and tell us in our hearts and get that fire back in us. But then somebody has to stand up and mandate that we open our churches if we haven't been listening. You understand what I'm saying? If God has to go that route, we have not been listening. And so, uh, you know, I don't want to make enemies with nobody. But if that's where you fall, that's where you fall. Y'all preachers on, on social media and all that kind of stuff. But you need to open your building. Because, see, people are praying. People are praying for a move of God, revival, and all that. They don't even know what they're praying for. But if God's going to move, how's he going to move if your doors are locked? And when you going to open them? And what about your people? See, they don't realize it, but, but you know, sheep always, sheep pay more attention to more things than you, you, we, you could imagine. And they have long memories for offenses. Huh? Well, how come we ain't open now? We're allowed to open. How come we not open now? And I wanted to bring so-and-so to church. And we closed. See what I'm saying? And so these things, anything you do when you offend God's sheep, you just, you know, you don't want to do that. That's all I'm telling you. Because the only reason preachers exist is to feed y'all. That's... And that's the only way we prove our love for Jesus. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you're not going to do that, you don't love him. So, anyway. But I found this prophecy. Uh, this woman, her name is Deborah Walden Fry. Fry. She is from Michigan. And she says, uh, 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 this was on the 28th, a couple days ago. She heard the Lord say, my warriors are boots on the ground. My church has left the building. Beloved, I want you to be encouraged. I know that things look dire in the world. To the natural eye, it looks very dark. But have no fear, my warrior. You have been raised up precisely for this time and place. I have trained and equipped you. I have baptized you in the Holy Spirit. No more lights, camera, action in my church, for it is time for boots on the ground. You are in army, dressed for battle. God is on your side. The God of glory is thundering. The Lord mighty in battle. Whom shall you fear? Take the land. Take your families. Take your godly authority and speak to the mountains in your life. Lay hands on the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Pursue the enemy, for surely you shall recover all. The Lord of hosts is with you. You have a dread champion who never leaves you nor forsakes you. You are wrapped in my roar. The glory of the Lord is thundering over his people. 
and the enemy shall fall before you. That means the enemy of people to tell you to close your church. You understand what I'm saying? Every enemy will fall before us. Weep not for the lion of Judah has prevailed. Boots on the ground. That means ground troops who are on active service in military operation. Soldiers who are physically present and fighting in a war zone. A place where there is a war or another serious situation. A place where real practical work is done. And so she, you know, explains, goes into a little detail explaining some of the terms she uses. But I thought that was a good wake-up call for people in the church. It's just about the curfew downtown, okay? Some people's phones are slow. I'm going to turn this thing off. You know, as old as I am, I guess. I don't remember. Whatever. <laughs> But this is no time for shutting things down, folks. This is time for opening up. This is time for mobilizing troops. This is time for feeding the flock so that they are empowered to go out and do the work of the ministry. This is no time for um, a performance ministry or entertainment ministry. Like Brother Stone, you saying get your entertainment elsewhere, right? <laughs> that was funny. But it's so true, you know. Uh, sometimes prophetic people just speak it out. They don't care if it hurts your feelings or what, but this ain't for entertainment. And so, you know, we have to keep that in mind as we pursue the things of God. It's not for us to stop, to quit, to you. <laughs> you didn't start you. God started you. You understand what I'm saying? It ain't up to you to stop. It's not up to you to quit. It's up to you to continue to obey God. So I, I thank God for people who are encouraged to hear him, hear his voice and to share it with the body of Christ and to allow us to be able to decide what God is saying to us personally. What's he saying to us as a ministry? Amen. What's he saying to us as we go through life down here? I know we, we're all looking for something in a practical realm, in a material realm, in a natural realm from God. But it's got to have a spiritual component to it. You just can't live as a carnal person again. And so I'm I'm just real thankful God has given us direction. We know where his heart is. His heart is always toward doing the work of the ministry. It's always that way. And so I encourage you in that. I I I anticipate that we are going to do more uh, ministry on the streets. We're going to do more approaching people. Uh, as soon as God gives me an understanding how exactly we're going to do it, we'll be able to set up in different places and go where people's needs are, pray for them, walk the streets, encourage them in the things of God, and and really win souls, you know, and make that, dedicate uh, ourselves to that as a priority and as a purpose, because I am certain that that's where God's heart is, and it's always there. But more and more, you see how confused and messed up people are in the world. And you see how how little help there is for them. And if the church just goes online or the church just goes virtual and there's no reality to the church, I don't think God's going to be pleased with that. That's That's the way I look at it. So we have real and we have online. We've always had both. We'll never stop having them. And we'll continue to have them. Because we have a curfew here in this city, but we're here now. God put us in a place where we're not affected by that. And so we, we have to go ahead and obey God and continue to obey him. So 
and be thankful that somebody was there to preach Christ to you when you needed it. Amen. And this is how you pay back. Amen. As the world says, give back. This is how you give back. As you go into all the world, you're not saved for you. You save for him. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come to you. And we thank you, Lord, that your word is precious. Your word is powerful. Your word is mighty. Your word is your covenant bond with us. We can trust your word because it will be fulfilled. And so we thank you and we bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Amen again. <clears throat> praise God. So I thought we'd talk about Exodus fifteen twenty-six that none of these diseases that he brought upon the Egyptians will he put on his people. So we are immune to disease. We have spiritual immunity to disease. And that spiritual immunity always manifests in a natural immunity to disease. Amen. So Exodus fifteen twenty six, it says, <clears throat> if you will diligently, you know what diligently means? Uh-huh. See, you know, problem. This could be a problem area, you know, when the Bible says diligently listen, that doesn't mean listen with one ear on YouTube or one ear on your social media and his word playing in the background. Diligent people go after it. Diligent people make up their minds they're going to get it. It's not going to slip by them. Amen. They're going to get it this time. He says, if you will diligently listen, and diligently means consistently. The word diligent, uh, the root word of that is student. It's a Latin word. The Latin root is student. So it's like if you will studiously listen. Listen like a student. Listen like you want to make an A. Well, that don't hit everybody. C plus. Citizenship award, perfect attendance, whatever, <laughs> almost perfect attendance, whatever y'all striving for, whatever kind of student you were, anything other than absentee student, spending most of your time trying to perfect your mother's signature, or your one of your friends perfecting your mother's signature so you get an excuse for not being there. Your parents not know it. But this is one time in your life you can change that and learn to be diligent. Amen. So he says, if you can like a, a student, listen to my word. That word hearken really means to pay attention with the, the mindset to obey. See, pay attention with a mindset that I'm going to do this. If it requires a change, God help me to make the change. Give me, empower me to turn around and go in a different direction if I'm headed the wrong way. All of those things, whatever it takes for you to obey God, that's what he means. He wants you to commit to that. So diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, to his word, and will do that which is right in his sight. Give ear to his commandments. Keep all his rules, statutes. That word statutes really has to do with legal precedents, re- legal uh, dealings for laws, written laws. And he says, if you'll do that, I'll put none of these diseases upon you. 
that I have brought upon the Egyptians because I'm the Lord that heals you. So in, in really, I am your Lord that heals you. He was not the Lord of the Egyptians. They served other gods. And so they got disease because he was not their Lord and their God. He could have been. And I believe that at the end of the Exodus, he was God to many Egyptians. Because there are a lot of people that got converted. Listen, you look out one morning, there's frogs everywhere, and then they disappear. You look out again, there's lice everywhere. You want to know, well, who has the power to do all this stuff and straighten it up? I think I'll check him out. So he did it as much for Egypt as he did for Israel. Listen, God wants some converts, folks. He He loves us and all that, but he's looking for us to to get him involved in our lives so he can manifest his glory to other people. He wants to win people over. So we have a covenant of health with us, with God. A covenant really describes an if-then relationship. If you will do this, then I will do that. So a covenant is always that way. It's it's two-sided. There's a, a an obedience that we have to perform, and then there is the reward that we will receive for that obedience. The neat thing is about this covenant is that you really don't have a whole lot of heavy lifting to do. Like, if you know you've got a bad habit that keeps you feeling condemned or keeps you feeling like God won't bless you, or you know how the devil works with weakness in us, certain things that we know we shouldn't be doing, we keep doing it, and wish we didn't do it, keep doing it. Like Paul said, the thing that I want to do I don't do it the thing I hate doing I keep doing it that's the conflict of the old man the man of the flesh versus the spirit man your spirit knows what you ought to be doing but your flesh seems to have such a grip you think (laughs) see as much as you in your word as much as you do this and that you're a little deceived anyway See, because we give the devil a whole lot more power than he actually has. God's trying to show us that he is the power behind every obedience that we do. What he wants us to do is stay in the word long enough to get confidence that he's helping us do these things. So that if, did you know the more you try to do it on your own power and fail, the more condemned you feel? Then one morning you wake up and say, God, I give up. And it's like he said, I've been waiting for you to say that. So I can step in and show you how to do this thing right. Amen. And so as 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 much as we want to do the right thing is. And see, the worst thing in the world to do is go covering up for your your bad behavior. And making excuses for. Well, you know. I was raised in, oh boy, here we go. You've been flaunting that excuse for like 50 years almost. When are you going to get over yourself? Or better yet, when are you going to let God help you? Because he's there to help you get over that old dead body that used to be you. You've got no business dragging that carcass around with you everywhere you go. Hello? 
you you are dead to sin. Huh? It, that doesn't have power over you anymore. But you got to believe that in order to get over it. So here we go. Diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. See, you ain't been diligent. You've been trying to speed read and run around and tell people how many chapters you read today. But you ain't doing none of them. What good is it to, to read ten chapters and you ain't doing one? What one, one verse? <laughs> so there, see, you got he got you again. So he wants us to surrender. The only way his he is glorified is if he does all the heavy lifting. He gets to show you how wonderful he is. You know, Jesus, he he kind of love us. You ever had a little crazy boy in school that just wouldn't leave you alone? Well, he's like that to the 10th power. He likes showing off for his bride. He likes it when you, he just lets you keep going, keep going. You get in trouble and you're like Peter walking on the water. You say, Lord, save me. He said, here I am. He was right there. Huh? That's what it means to be a faithful creator. God's faithful over us. He knows we messed up. He knows we got into trouble in the garden. He knows all of that. He made a plan to redeem us. He loves us anyway. He made a plan for continual forgiveness of our sins in our lives. I know I don't feel good messing up, and I know you don't either. But more than how I feel about it, I'm thankful I have a Savior who forgives me. See, that's the bottom line. Are you forgiven and can you start over again? And the answer is yes, you can. So quit feeling bad that you can't do everything right. And welcome to the club. But we have a Savior who knows what he's called us to do. And he empowers each and every one of us to do his will. He is the power behind our good works. It must be that way. He's never going to let you step into heaven and say, look what I did. I did all this, all this. I didn't tell you to do that. Why are you doing that? Well, I thought you, I thought you liked it when I was good. I like it more when you're obedient. Huh? You know, people, when you do too much to try to impress them, they get suspicious of you. <laughs> you know that and I know it. Huh? My husband sometimes would come home and I, everything would be in place. I wasn't running in, sweating at the last minute and trying to, and he'd look around and, <laughs> am I in the right house? Hey, <laughs> running up and telling me what you had to do and all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? In other words, just be yourself. Huh? Don't be trifling. And don't try to take advantage of me. Because I love you. But be yourself. And let me help you with the rough stuff. And that's all God's saying to us. That's what salvation is all. That's what the new birth is all about. It's I love you anyhow 
let me help you because you going even on a good day you're gonna goof this up huh and so this is how we walk in covenant with god is that we allow him to empower us to lead us direct us even when you open your bible the page that you read he will speak to you if you if you go several several chapters without it enlightening you to just keep reading because he will find you in those pages and he will begin to enlighten what he wants you to know and speak to you he wants to encourage you he wants to correct your steps so that you don't keep messing up he doesn't want to correct you for the sake of finding fault with you and and letting you know how wrong you are he corrects us so he can bless us no correction, no blessing. Well, I just think I can do some stuff right. Well, think again. You don't even know what right is from day to day. Huh? Most of us feel most of our half our day trying to figure out how to keep somebody from finding out we didn't do something. Huh? You got a job, you gotta try to figure out, oh, let me see, let me see, how could I get this? Huh? You got kids to take off? Oh Lord, have mercy, they gonna find out I really don't know nothing about this mother and stuff. Oh baby, just do so and so and so. You hope it is working? Huh? Everybody faking it a little bit. At least a little bit. And so, God knows all that. It doesn't matter to Him. How much you shake and fake, he just wants to help you to get it right so he can bless you. You're corrected so you can be blessed. When he corrects you, he just directs your steps in the right way, in the way of blessing. So when your steps get directed in the right way, it's a blessing to you because you know a blessing is coming from him because of your obedience. So that's the easiest way to do it, except we don't realize that. We go the trial and error method for quite a while, trying to figure out how to do it ourselves, instead of just saying, you know what, God, I really don't know what I'm doing here. I'm I'm stuck here. I got this problem, that problem. I need this healing. I want this done. I need that done. And please help me with this. Direct me with this. See, that's what's called faith. Faith isn't you have all the answers <laughs> before he calls you answer. No, 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 no. You got it backwards. You call on him so that you can get the right answer. And you can spend your time doing things that are going to produce for you instead of trial and error. Oh, I hope the Lord don't find out I don't really know what I'm doing with this faith stuff huh so you try to come up with all your little possibilities and work this law and work that law and brother Hagen said so and so and then brother somebody said this and that and somebody said no that's wrong because Joyce Meyer said it ain't like that it's like this you know that's all well and good but really the bottom line is Jesus wants to hear from you he wants you to talk to him. It's good that you can can receive from his servants. 
And many times what they feed is a blessing. And, and there are times when God will direct you to their teachings or whatever. But he still wants to talk to you about you. So none of the diseases. We have immunity against all disease. Actual Deuter- actually, Deuteronomy 28, 61 tells us uh, that that chapter lists all of the diseases. Most of us are familiar with it from from years ago. But Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, Deuteronomy lists the blessings and the curses. So you'll know exactly what they are. Disease is part of the curse of the broken law. So Jesus paid the penalty for that, though. This is why you don't get sick every time you do something bad. If that were true, you'd never get out the bed and God would never get any work done for his kingdom. And we'd be sad little witnesses. But even when Israel was under the Mosaic law, they lived healthy because they had a priesthood and then when they sinned, they could give a sacrifice and have atonement made and they lived healthy. They lived healthy until either they backslid, the kings backslid, the prophets backslid, or somebody backslid and took everybody down with them. That's why we have a better covenant. It's it's based on your individual obedience to God. Even though many times we are limited by bad leadership. Huh? That's why God will shake things off of you and command you to move on. We all live like this. We all started out in a religious church. You wasn't saved. You went to church because somebody made you or your parents told you to go to church or even they took you, but you never got born again. You drop out of church. You start to run into problems. You come back looking for something. You see it's still not there. Amen. Then finally you cry out to God and all of a sudden the kingdom opens up to you. It's been there all along. It's been hidden from you. All of these steps are important. Leading us to God. And so, you know, I'll see people look back and say, well, you know, I was in that church, but they didn't do that and didn't do that. But they give you a foundation. They taught you something. You know, don't condemn your foundation. (laughs) I had to learn to grow up about experiences in life. Not hold it against people for doing the best they could. Or just what they knew. It was usually more than what I knew. So after I knew more, I added to that, shake the dust off your feet and keep stepping. You know, to forgive people and keep stepping or don't hold grudges and keep stepping. But don't go back there again. Just keep stepping. And so God has given us a covenant of health that requires that we obey his word. That you listen and obey. You listen and obey. You can't obey without listening. So you listen and obey. See, God doesn't want somebody who knows everything already jump up and start doing stuff. He wants somebody who's going to listen first and obey. I've been wrong so many times because I thought, in my heart, I really wanted to see something happen, and then the first movement 
looked like it was happening. I thought it was God and found out it wasn't. And he said, you didn't listen to me. You prayed and then you looked in the natural to see. Anybody ever done that before? And goofed up so bad you went into shock. You think, really? Some people don't know how to say that they're wrong and ask to be corrected. See, I thank God for a mind to repent and get corrected and then move on instead of holding on to and you got to be right. See, I've run into people like that. God told me. God told me. God told me to tell you. No, he didn't. Because he never told me he was sending you here with nothing. And I didn't ask him to send me nobody. See, that's part of my covenant with God. You got me? Keeps you from getting confused. Keeps me from getting screwed up with every wind and wave and doctrine and coming here confusing y'all. Yeah, he said not only those diseases that are listed in Deuteronomy 28, but every disease that's not written in this book. So that includes Rona. This thing everybody running from and scared of and offending people in supermarkets because they don't wear a mask and you're closer than six feet. Huh? Go in the supermarket with your arms swinging out wide so nobody can touch you. And See, they don't have a covenant of divine health with God. You have one. That's why sometimes when you say like you're at home and your mind is a little blank and you start breathing. Trying to see if your lungs are still there. And then, you know, touch your, now see, I can't, I can't go by temperature because I've been having hot flashes since I was three. I'm the original hot flash in the family. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know how that goes. Something happens and you just, Foof! and you hot all over and, You know, if I didn't perspire, I had a good day. You understand what I'm saying? Something didn't happen to almost freak me out. I had a good day. So you check yourself. Keep checking yourself. Then for a minute, you you start saying, I wonder if, and then you slap yourself and say, no, none of, none of the diseases I don't. You know, even it, it, even when you start going down that road, you can only go so far because you can't push yourself beyond a certain crazy limit. You know what I'm saying? Because you know to go down that road another step means you're really crazy now. So you just calm yourself down and start rejoicing and thanking God that you don't have Rona. You don't have her. She don't have you. You can't get her. She can't get you. Why? Because of the blood. You have a blood covenant agreement with God 
that he won't let disease. It's not about you catching nothing. It's about whether or not he'll let you have it. Think about Rona as just like you would think of anything else that could you could obtain in life. You can obtain the blessings, but you cannot have the curse. That's off limits. It's not offered to you. He's not going to let you have it. You prove it to yourself. Keep trying to make yourself believe that you're sick and see how far you get. Huh? When I first started teaching on faith and divine health, I had people in the ministry that wanted to argue with me that they could get disease. I said, well, I guess if you want it that bad, maybe you can. But me, myself, I'm trying to stay healthy. You know, people just want to be right. They ain't really crazy. And they really stupid, but they got a lot of pride. They want to be right. They want to feel good about going to the doctor. I don't feel one way. I'm not moved by my feelings on stuff like that. It's like, okay, God, I'm turning myself in. I got to go for now. But none of these, I'm refusing disease. You understand? I'm not receiving nothing of what they have because I know it's not for me. You took too much punishment, too much shame, too much indignity thrown to you for me to sit up and feel comfortable going and settling for less than what you promised me. I don't care what level it's on. It can be on a health level. It can be on a finance level. It can be on a job level, career level, whatever it is. Don't accept less than what God has promised you. He did too much for you to get the best. You know, sometimes you just have to chill out and say, okay, God, this is where I am right now, but it's not your best for me, and I'm moving. Show me how to get your best. Show me how that's done. uh, Isaiah 53, surely it's another covenant promise about our hell. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. He took them away. Where? None of your business. Because if you knew, you'd be trying to preach on that. It's true. Some some preachers have picked the jots and the tittles to preach on instead of the written words. They'll make a make a living out of just preaching obscure little things. Because there's always a contingent of believers that instead of doing the word, they want to hear little itching ears well so and so is teaching on oh boy here we go when's the last time you prayed for a loved one when's the last time you prayed for a sick person instead of your endless genealogies huh who begat who and who huh Where did Cain's wife come from? Huh? The Bible says the land of Nod is where he lived. That's where she came. 
What was her name? I don't know. Well, how you know? I Because I read my Bible and I believe what I read. Because it helps me to believe. Don't help me to argue little mindless things. Matthew eight seventeen, you see this walked out. Isaiah 53 was the prophecy. Matthew 8, 17. Here Jesus is. He's actually living on the earth. He's come to the people that God sent him to. Verse 14, when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered to them. And when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that was sick for this reason. For this reason. Not because they were good. Not because they did everything right. Not because they had great faith, even though it took faith to get there. But he did it to fulfill scripture. He did it to fulfill Isaiah 53, saying he himself took our infirmities and he bore or carried our sicknesses. So Jesus took your weakness, sickness, desire to do wrong. Huh? Infirmities, that's not just a spirit of sickness, but that's a spirit of weakness and weakness toward sickness. You know, like people talk about, well, this runs in your family and and that runs in your family. You know, go to the doctor, you hear more about yourself than you ever want to know. And they just met you. But all of a sudden, they know everything about you. Well, you know, um, the African American person has has more high blood pressure. Yeah, because I got to deal with crazy people like you working my nerves. Just find the pill, save the lecture. I came here for help. I didn't want to come here. I said, you don't even know who I am. Uh, cause I barely know who I, all I know is what folk tell me about who I am. You have no clue. Uh, just give me the pill, whatever it is. Then they give you something that makes you stagger. Then you find out why you got the lecture. Now you got to go back home and pray again. Lord, find me somebody who can give me the pill that I need so I can get this over with. But Jesus took this away from us so that we wouldn't have to be dependent on man's trial and error to get you the right dosage, the right pill, the right medication he took all the trial and error out of your your 
you're maintaining your health and your well-being. Nobody wants to be sick unless there's something wrong with you. Something else is wrong in your brain. Huh? Sickness takes away everything from you. Takes the joy out of life, the enjoyment out of things. It'll take your livelihood. People get sick of being around you if you're sick all the time. You understand what I'm saying? It's not a life for somebody who's supposed to be blessed. So he said, none of these diseases. I don't care about your family history. I don't care if your ancestors came over on a boat. I don't care if they, you know, threw tomahawks at each other for fun. I don't care about none of your ancestry.com to tell you who you are. You're redeemed from the curse of your family history. I don't care what it is. Himself took our sickness. Himself. He took it himself. He didn't send somebody to take it. He didn't tell you it mysteriously left somehow. He took it on himself. Carried our sins away. Carried our sicknesses away. And he left us in divine health. That's what he leaves us in. And so it's just like with Israel. He brought them forth with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among them. When you get born again, all your debts are paid and God puts you in divine health and wealth already. You don't need to buy 15 teachings and and -and so-and-so's books on how to be wealthy. All you got to do is diligently hearken to the word. You know, Christians have been wealthy forever. It didn't just start with these people that we think know everything about financial finances and the, you know, uh, uh, what do we call it? Divine prosperity, uh, you know, financial prosperity, all that kind of stuff. You don't need to have sermons forever teaching people how to get money. Because most of them sitting out there know more about it, getting it than the preacher does. Because a preacher depending on you to go out and make some and bring it to him. Do you know that when they talk about uh, people who, who accumulate, the, the term they always use was the Protestant ethic. You ever heard that? Protestant work ethic. Now they just shorten it now and say work ethic. But it was always a Protestant work, work ethic. Because Protestants were wealthy people. Catholics got their money from we don't know where. You know, there were popes who were equal to kings back in the day. Extremely wealthy. So the Catholics had old money. That's why I say we don't know where it comes from because it's old money. Huh? Some of them probably still got the same widow's mite they had. 
I know. When she put in the offer, and I know some Catholics there to get it. You understand what I'm saying? Them people got real old money. But Protestant Protestant people were known to be hard workers and savers. So it's that work ethic that was taught people, because in the main people were that came to this country, people were Protestants. Now they they let everybody come. But that was the main bulk because they were the persecuted people in Europe. They were running from persecution. There were, were small groups of people that prayed in tongues and they would, would get beheaded for that. And it wasn't by Muslims. It, it was from governments and so forth. Because they knew there was something supernatural about these people and they were frightened of them. Governments have always been afraid of God's people. Are you kidding me? Most of them look at you cockeyed because they really ain't sure what you might do. Because always somebody's always doing something wrong and they're afraid God's going to get them anyway. So they don't trust the Christian. Not 100%. But that's changing. It's changing everywhere. People are looking for us now. And not for the wrong thing. But they're seeking us out. Know why? Because the stuff they're used to doing ain't working no more. See, you don't ever have to fear if you'll ever have a job, if you'll ever be this, be that, because what the world has is going to quit working at some point, and they're going to be looking for somebody with an idea and an answer. If they went down in the in the bottom of the pit of the dungeon of the jail and got Joseph out because he had an idea and an answer, and a gift and an ability, it'll happen again. Huh? That's always been so. You come up with an answer that's going to save a nation or bring prosperity, and and you have a way to make a life for yourself. So Jesus, in Matthew eight seventeen, he did all this that it might be fulfilled. So part of why... We walk in divine health is because God is fulfilling promises that he made in the scriptures. So he's, in other words, it's not up to you to work and prove to God that you're living right and doing right so he can bless you. It's up to him to fulfill his word in your life. So whatever it is that we're believing for, he has to bring it to pass. You can't, your good works can't bring it to pass. And they can't impress God either because he knows the only good you're able to do is because he empowers you to do it. And we kind of like stumble on doing the right thing sometimes. Our little faith accidents we have. And we're shocked that worked. I've never done anything like that before. And it worked. It must be God. See, this is the way we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to live in the confident, you know, the the fake confidence stuff. Well, I've been confessing the word. And I've been, you know, fasting and being consecration. You eyeballing that pizza and it's eyeballing you. 
Your mind ain't even a little bit on what God. Can't even do that right. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, this is who we are. This is where we live. You're not doing everything. You know, I, I was reading our girl, uh, Rejoice Marriage girl. Yeah, Charlene Steinkamp. And, and, uh, Bob. Oh, no good Bob. Got saved. Oh, good for nothing, Bob. I, I read that song. Lord, went off and left that woman and kids. You know, you kind of, did he get saved? He did. Ah! <laughs> you know, them stories be getting interesting. You say, oh, Bob, oh, no good, Bob. Look at him over there living with some other woman. When did his leg fall off? He got both legs. Oh, come on, God. Huh? You know the drill. And she talks about, she, she always mentions, well, you, if you will be faithful with fasting and prayer, she tells you how she did it. She did this and did that. And I thought, man, to get that old whippersnapper saved, he was pretty rough, you know? And I'm thinking she's, you know, Going 60 days without food, water, or something. She fasted one meal a week. And then you feel instantly stupid because you make fasting out to be this great big, huh? Deal. And she, see the difference between me and her? She checked with God to see what would Get the job done. Huh? He gave her something to do that she could do. And see, we think, oh, back and forth, back and forth. It's all about letting him be God. Himself took our infirmities. Himself bore our sicknesses. God will never give you something to do that's going to be hard for you to do. It's called grace. All you got to do is believe him that he'll instruct you and lead you and guide you. And whatever he graces you to do is what he graces you to do. There are times when when your heart can get overwhelmed with love for God and you'll do some extraordinary things. But then there are times when it's touch and go and, and you realize, gee, I really wanted to do that for you, Lord, but just doesn't seem like I'm, you ever been like that? You just want to do, like, especially in the area of giving. You know, we all want to give more than we give. And then that thing in your brain snatches you back and say, you gotta pay this, you gotta pay that. Sometimes you need to tell that thing, listen, God is the one who's gonna pay it anyway. I don't have no money. If I listen to you, we ain't gonna have nothing. Huh? But we don't. We pay attention to it most of the time because we know we got to pay our bills. But, you know, there are times when we want to do extraordinary things. And, you know, God will back us up on most of that. I'm telling you, I have never been broke yet. I have never not been able to pay a bill. I have ne- never not been able to meet a, an obligation. 
And I'm, you know, I wouldn't call myself a real disciplined person. I try to flow freely in the things of God. But I don't resist, you know, if there are certain things I need to just get it out of my life now, I I just say, God, well, listen, I'm going to have to get rid of this. So, you know, help me, <laughs> whatever. We, we end this together. But really, that's really what obedience is. It's sometimes it's touch and go. Sometimes it's easier than at other times. But you need his word, a real strong word in you to be able to do what he wants you to do. You got to know those basic things that you're supposed to be about. And there's some things that will be mysteries to us. That we will just have to accept God's will for right now and just ride it out. The secret things still belong to him. But the things that are revealed, we're responsible to walk them out and then teach them to your children and your children's children. That's your responsibility. So really, instead of trying to find out all the secret stuff, we be diligent with the stuff you know. Be faithful with what you know. And don't be picking and prying into other things. So Jesus paid a ransom. It was a set price that was has been revealed throughout Scripture from the third chapter of Genesis throughout through the Gospels. There was a set price to ransom us from the power of darkness. And that was sinless blood of a perfect man. No more bulls and goats anymore. No more temporary covering. This is the real deal life now. So we can really live for God. We can really be holy people because he's holy and he lives in us. And it is for that reason that disease cannot stick to you. Now you can try and pretend like you ain't this and you ain't that and you can't do this and you can't do that. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I know I read the Bible, but I have this in my family. See, see, we think if we can push responsibility for our disobedience off on something else, we're in the clear. You're never in the clear with God. The Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You gotta make sure you ain't neglecting a great salvation if you accept limited health. I won't say sickness, but you know, limitation. Begin to feast on the word of God regarding your health privileges and what God has promised to you. He promised that he would not put disease on us. Well, I have this, this, and this. What is that? It ain't what he promised you. Huh? See, really, that's all you need to know. You don't need to call it anything. They can hang a diagnosis on you, but that's just a name. That they gave a bunch of symptoms so that they could know how to treat people that needed treatment. You don't need treatment. You have a covenant. You might subject yourself to treatment just so you can feel better until your covenant faith kicks in. You just keep feasting on the word, feeding your faith, eating healing scriptures, allowing the power of God to work. 
if you need to go up to the altar and get hands laid on you, do it every time you feel led to do it. That's your privilege as a child of God. A lot of times we don't call, come to the altar, especially when we need stuff. I wonder why that is. You always wonder about who looking, what they think. You know, the devil will tell you that every time you go to get something from God. All of a sudden, it used to be just your problem. Now it's their business. You ever notice how the conversation changes? You've been laboring with this and laboring with it. You finally decide to turn it over to God. And then all of a sudden, there's a they to be considered. What you think they thinking about you? Huh? What they going to say? What they, they going to think you need something. I think we all need something. That's why we're here. Amen? We need something every, <laughs> I mean, when don't we need something? That's why we come to the Lord. And you'll never stop needing him. He'll see to it. You'll never, like they, that saying, that, I shouldn't say that, everybody going to think I'm real old. You'll never outgrow your need for milk. You ever hear that saying? Yeah. I know you never heard it before. Now you heard it. Amen. But you never outgrow your need for the things of God, for teaching, for prayer, for ministry. Sometimes you need people to minister to you, lay hands on you. It's all part of God's provision for us. Amen. There is no penalty of sickness for your sin anymore. Let me turn here to John 9. See, the Bible says that scripture in Exodus, if you diligently hearken, he won't put and do what's right. Suppose you do what's wrong. Does that mean God's going to put sickness on you? Um, John 9, verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither him or or his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night is coming when no man can work. In other words, get out my way. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. People who are blind can't get light into their eyes. So they light is what makes you see. Amen. So he explains to them, this man is going to see because the light of the world is here. Enough said. Really? It used to be we get curses of sickness. So it had to come from somebody's sin. Well, if that's true, now these are people who are ministers in God's kingdom. They were the ministers of the day. And instead of them receiving people's offering as an atonement for their sin and allowing them to get their healing, they have resorted to pointing the finger and blame. Huh? Now think about it. Any so-called minister who would rather quiz you about what you did last night 
And if you got sin in your life, and what your parents did, and what are your generational curses, instead of praying for you to receive your sight or receive your healing, is no longer a ministry. See, that's why Jesus is there. Because they needed a minister bad. Because all the people who were supposed to be ministering to people were no longer ministering to them. They were money changers, con men, rip-off artists, taking people's family property from the widows. They were doing everything but ministering to the people. Because you can't serve God and mammon too. Huh? If they're not praying for the sick and laying hands on them, they're not serving God. Who are they serving? Oh, I'm a million dollar bookseller. I mean, they write about God. Got great swelling words in their sermon. Millions of dollars of books. But everybody's sick. They never have an altar call. Now tell me if I'm wrong. Am I wrong? If somebody can tell me somebody's doing all that and has an altar call, very few. Very few. So who are they serving? That's the thought. See, that's why everybody's on lockdown. That's why the church, we, we maneuvered ourselves into a position where we're locked down. And we don't know how to open back up. President said churches are essential. Get them people back in there. And we still got some people sitting back. He don't tell me when to open my church. Ooh, ouch. Ooh. The doors of the church is closed. Where is Tony at when you need him? Right. He could give us a, a rap to that. Remember, the doors of the church is open or the doors of the church is closed. And the past is closed. This ain't the government doing this now. This is ministers. And see, when Rodney Howard Brown defied the governor of Florida, you should have seen the people on Facebook, the preachers, telling him he was wrong. He gonna get all them people killed. He go, I said, oh, Lord. I knew it was bad, but I didn't think it was this bad. See, and at the charge, at the leader of the charge was apostles and prophets who claimed they have apostolic authority and prophetic authority. And they're too scared to challenge the governor of a secular kingdom. And you rule and reign in the kingdom of God. And you can't go to the governor and tell him what thus saith the Lord, what God told you he thinks needs to be done for your people. Well, Glorioski, the governor changed his mind. He said, I think I'll let you open your church. Huh? 
But there's still other ministers condemning him, talking about him, talking about people just like him, and all he's doing is obeying God. See, we'll be begging for pills and trying to get ourselves well as long as we stay under goofy authority that doesn't know who they're serving from one day to the next. You serving God, you serving mammon. I know you got some money saved up. You're not hurt for offering. You can keep it shut for a little bit longer. But when you think it's time to open up, what's going to be there? See, that's a great unknown. What'll be there is what God places there because you've been faithful. So, none of these diseases. Jesus tells the Pharisees get lost, pretty much. Huh? Who sinned that he was born blind? See, that's one of those questions that you ask when you're trying to sound smarter than your teacher. So he lets them know, you ain't smart as you think you are. Huh? The minute God decides to heal you, everything from then on out is for his glory. He says it right here. He said, because he, he said, I want to manifest my glory here. The works of God, I want to, I want to show people the works of God through this person. So if he's going to show people the works of God, sin is not an issue anymore. It's one of the great non-issues in everything in a Christian's life. Why? Because he took them already. He paid the price already. You're free to go. Huh? Take your cuffs off. You're free to go. The pardon has been granted. You're free to go. Go and walk in divine health. Go and live in great prosperity. Work for it. You know what I'm saying. But God will provide that opportunity for you. But go and do through your strength what God has called you to do. Because the works of God are being manifest because you have a covenant where no disease. I know they're talking about a second wave. Well, they can have their second wave, but I ain't took the first one yet. And I'm not taking number two. You understand me? None of these diseases. I have it on good authority by the blood of Jesus, by the mouth of God, that he does not put disease on his holy people. He's not going to do it. What happens if? Nothing if. You just refuse it. You know how to refuse stuff. Huh? We better at saying no sometimes than saying yes. Amen? You know how to say no to it. And just accept the word of God. Don't say no because you're scared. Say no because God told you to say no. Amen? And keep saying no to it. Because he means what he says. Amen? All right, we'll stop. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding that comes with your holy word. Lord, we bless you. We thank you. We praise you that none of the diseases that you put on the Egyptians are for us, our children. You send your word and you heal us. So we thank you, Lord, for everything 
that you're doing for us, for blessing us and keeping us. Father, I pray for people here. I thank you, Lord, that these people are healed. I thank you, Lord, that covenant people are healed. I thank you that people who are receiving this word by faith are healed. I thank you, Lord, that this coronavirus will not attach itself to your people. The blood of Jesus shakes it off. And we thank you, Lord, that we can shake off disease. We can refuse it. We can say no to it. It will not come near our dwelling. It will not hinder our lifestyle. It will not take us sick and it will not kill us or take us down. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing us with divine health. There's no higher way to live than divine health. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen.